start, if y'all, uh, actually, before we start, let me just say a, a really special thank you to the persons and the whole hospitality team for all they did to set this up, and the Bowermans for doing all the cooking of the pork. I was joking with Mike um, earlier this week how just so much just magically appears. I show up and it's magically, and he kind of shook his head and he said, no, I work very hard on those things. So do a lot of other people. <laughs> it's not magic. So thank you. All right, uh, let's pray. God, I am so thankful for, for this church and um, all the people who work very hard to carry out all that needs to happen for the, uh, the service in your church, the business of your church, the fellowship in your church. And, uh, and I pray that you would bless this time, that um, our kids would enjoy themselves, that we would, um, that we would be informed well, and uh, that we would be encouraged. And I pray that you would uh, bless this time. We thank you for the food. We pray that you would bless it to nourish our body. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, we want to cover a few things, and the first thing that we want to really talk about is, as we said this morning, this community group kickoff. So I'm curious, if you're in a community group already, raise your hand. I'm just, okay, that's a pretty good number. All right, hands down. So I am now talking to those of you who didn't raise your hand. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Um, so what I'm, what I'm saying, is, if you're already in a community group, there, there are no action points uh, for you right now, but... We really believe that it's vital, um, especially as, as this church seems to be growing, that people are able to be in real relationships, uh, in safe places, um, and, and the way, organizationally at least, the way that, that we see this playing out and want to continue to see this play out and provide these opportunities, it is community groups. So before I go right to community groups, though, I want to talk a little bit about um, – some of the growth that we're experiencing. I actually really misspoke this morning um, when Mike and I were going through some of the numbers here. I think I said something like we've nearly doubled in size on Sunday. And I was looking at some numbers from we used to not record children with those numbers, and now we record children. So that was a false statement. It's about 50% on your average Sunday at this point, which is still significant. And, and I really had a neat opportunity to walk with the women's ministry team kind of through, through how that feels to people, especially if you've been here longer than I have at least and, and much longer in some cases. Uh, and I just want to kind of give us categories a little bit briefly for why we feel what we feel and why that makes the other ministries all the more important. So if you look at this screen, this is – you see these boxes, and you're going to go from the zero to 75. That's – that's people of all ages on Sunday. Then you move up to 75 to 200, and then you move to the bottom right, the 200 to 800 stage, and then 800 plus. So if we can pull the, the – we go back to the first. Oh, there we go. So – and you see the left two boxes, you see um, they're going to be more informal in nature in terms of an organization, and the right two boxes are going to be more formal in nature. Then the bottom two boxes are going to be more lay-led in nature, and the top two are going to be more pastorally led. And so I want to, with, those, with that in mind, kind of walk through what it looks like to move from one stage to the next. Before we do that, I'm going to name each stage. So the 0 to 75 stage, which – raise your hand if you were in this church in the 0 to 75 stage. Okay, you all stuck together. You're a pretty tight group there. Um, so that's what we call the family stage. It feels like a family. It doesn't require a ton of organization. Um, everybody knows everybody. But then you move past 75, and these numbers aren't hard and fast. They're, you know, it depends. But roughly 75 to 200, then you're what's called the pastoral phase, where you have a pastor who oversees things. Generally, the pastor knows everybody, is very accessible. Um, but you're still on the informal side of things. The organization is still more informal and probably feels familial in some ways. But then you move down to the bottom right, and this is where you, we call it the trellis phase. It is more formal. 
um, you are having to organize a lot of leaders and deacons and ministry leaders to be able to do the things that you need to do effectively. And then you move up to the top and you, you see the, what's called after around 800, you're at the resource phase where you're very formally led. Most of the leaders are, are paid. They're specialists in what they do, whether it's women's ministry, men's ministry, discipleship, community group. Uh, and so then you're in the pastoral and very formal box. And generally, this is the point at which a church is really exporting what they do. They're planting churches effectively. They're sending leaders. They're exporting whatever it is, again, that, that they do, seem to do well. So as far as where we are, if you would put the last – the green lines on there, you can see that's, that's the track. And it is very well documented. The hardest – um, the hardest transition for any church to make is right in the middle around 200. You see where that star is. Uh, it's hard for a lot of reasons because you're changing culture in many ways. You're going from an informally led and organized organization into a formal one. You're moving from, uh, from a pastoral, pastorally led back again to having to organize all these lay volunteers. It gets very, it's a very, very challenging um, challenging transition to make that usually facilities are an issue too which we thankfully have not had to worry about that but typically it's hard to understate uh this change and how it feels and so if you feel like there's some change going on there is there has even if our dna hasn't changed we have blown through that middle category this year i know the deacons feel it i know the women's ministry feels it i know a lot of ministry leaders that i'm talking to feel it so if you do i want you to feel okay that you feel it Uh, i want us to see where we're going and again the goal isn't just to grow we but we want to grow well if growth is what god has for us so we can break that down more in the future, but I feel like it's important for us to understand why we feel some of the change that we feel. But in that trellis phase, which is where we are firmly now, it is really all of what we do becomes more important. Women's ministry is more important. Elders are more important. Deacons are more important because we're just beyond the the, the ability for the pastor to carry out these functions. And community groups get more important. So that's why I want to emphasize community groups while we're in this trellising phase. All right, I'm not gonna repeat everything that I said this morning about community groups, but if you're not in a community group, obviously we believe it's very important. Community groups meet in different areas at different times. Most of them are every other week, some are every week. Some read books, some discuss the sermon and do sermon questions. Um, Let's see. How else are they, are they different? Um, they obviously meet in different locations. So, oh, how they deal with children is different in some community groups. So the idea is that hopefully there's something for everybody in the way that this is done. Um, we, have, you know, we have our existing groups, the Herbach group, the Humbert group, and then we have the Mitchell and Veneta groups that are full. Um, and then we have the Walton group, the Lau Cunningham group, the Keller group, and the Andre group meeting in various locations. Um, and our desire would be to, to connect you to the group that's best for you based on you know, most of these criteria. Maybe we had them all, but at least most. Location, stage of life, things like that. Uh, and stage of life is an important thing too. We want these groups to be diverse. Um, we were ter- our group, <laughs> we had about 20 children. We split up. We reconstituted with new people, and we got to 18 really fast. <laughs> and, and we said, why can't we get – any older people? And somebody said, because they never stay with all these kids. Nobody wants to be here with all these kids. So our hope is that the groups would be multi-generational. That hasn't played out 100% in my group. Some of the groups that has played out. Um, so what I want to do, I want to point your attention to that back booth. There are community group cards. There are, is information on community groups. And if you're not plugged in, I want to invite you to fill out one of those cards Uh, and put it in that basket. And what filling out that card means is you're giving us permission to engage with you and see if if we can find a good group for you. And I want you to feel the freedom to write as much as you want on the back of that card. If you have preferences or anything that that would be helpful for us to know, we want to to help you to plug in. Uh, There is a second wave uh, of community group um, options we can see coming down the pike. I don't know how how soon that'll happen, but we're, we're starting to gear up for that as well. All right, I think I've covered everything on the community group front. Would you – anything to add? There's also the Lucas group. 
Oh, in the Lucas group, in Apopka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where the, raise your hand. There we go. I, I have you written down right here. I don't, I'm sorry. Um, okay, great. Well, with that, uh, I'm available for questions later. Mike's available for questions about community group. I am going to get to hand this over now to the Huffmans, who are going to come and tell us more about what God is doing in and around them. Thanks, Jim. Good evening. Um, so for those of you guys uh, who I don't know, it's the crazy thing for me is like increasingly there are a whole lot of people that I don't know. Praise God for that. Um, my name is Andy Huffman, and this is my wife, Erin Ashley, or just EA Huffman. Um, and we serve with a ministry called Bridges International. It is part of Crew Campus Crusade for Christ, specifically reaching out to international students and scholars uh, here in the United States. We're based at the University of Central Florida. Um, all the schools across Central Florida are in our scope. Um, but really quick, before I dive into details, I just want to give you a little picture of why. Um, for those of you who know us, know us well, maybe you can tune out for like 30 seconds, but come back after that. Um, so in missions history, God's heart, as we know from Genesis to Revelation, is about every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. And uh, certain periods in history have been really unique for a quick expansion of God's kingdom into those nations. You look at first century church uh, and how the Roman roads and the Pax Romana and everyone speaking Latin and Greek, Paul and so many other Christians were able to spread the gospel quickly around the Mediterranean. We live in another time period now where God has brought, uh, because of this idea of globalization, God has brought so many of the best and brightest uh, students from around the world right here to our doorstep. And these are some of the most difficult countries to reach in the world a lot of the time. Um, we have students from China, from Iran, um, from Saudi Arabia, from Vietnam, uh, from India, Pakistan, all of these places that uh, if you and I, if God called us tomorrow to be missionaries in those places, think about all the practical questions you ask. How do I get a visa to get into that country? How do I learn the language? How do I learn the culture? And then when you get there, again, a lot of these places are incredibly hostile to the gospel. And yet God has brought many of the next generation of leaders from those places right to our doorstep. Um, at UCF, we have over 5,000 international students. At Valencia East, there are over 1,000. FIT over in Melbourne, 2,000. And the list just goes on. Um, so our goal is to take the gospel to those students now, equip them for life in Christ, and then send them back to their home countries where they can reach the people that God has already put around them, their family members, their friends, their coworkers, their neighbors, uh, with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's, that's why we exist. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so real quick, Mike, you want to bring up the PowerPoint? Um, want to just give you guys a, a, a few specifics of, of what that's been looking like the last couple of years. So go ahead to the next slide. So we, we talk about four verbs with bridges. Welcome, win, build, and send. So the first thing we want to do is we want to welcome students from around the globe with the love of Christ. So this uh, picture was just taken this past Wednesday out in front of the UCF Global Building on campus. Uh, we met over 500 international students uh, from UCF and Valencia the first week or so of school, and we gave away a $100 gift card to Walmart and a free bicycle, which international students, they come to Orlando, you realize like, okay, this is not public transportation city number one. So transportation's important. So we met lots of them, we loved on them, we had a Chinese welcome party the week before, uh, but the goal in welcome is to help them know that they're loved. Um, you know, uh, Paul in Romans 15 says, welcome one another as God, as God has welcomed you in Christ Jesus. There's certainly the primary application of us as believers to one another, but also just as much, I think, includes welcoming the nations. So that's the first piece. Secondly, win. So there are a couple people uh, in OGC in these pictures. So the first one, the top left picture, that's in the Bowerman's house. So uh, instead of community groups, we call them family groups within Bridges. They're very outreach oriented. Um, in order for us to have a scalable model to reach these thousands of international students, we can't just have one meeting. Um, that's not going to work linguistically. That's not going to work relationally. So we have these family groups. They meet throughout the week. Um, and it's just really basic Bible study, looking at Jesus, who he is, um, enjoying a meal together, talking about how does it, what does it look like 
to follow Christ. And a lot of these students are from countries, uh, again, where they have no access to the gospel at home. So actually, Stephanie Hills is on that, that left-hand picture. You can kind of just barely see her. Um, but we have a number of folks who are part of this church who give a half day. There we go. Thanks. Appreciate that, Matt. Um, we'll just say, we'll embarrass everybody here before it's all said and done. Um, but there are lots of folks here who are part of our church who give regular time per week to engage with international students and love them and show them Jesus. Uh, the lower right picture, that's our baby Josh, who you might have seen running around before. Uh, and the guy holding him, um, his name is Adil, and he is from Russia, but he is ethnically Kyrgyz. So his parents are from Kyrgyzstan, but he's grown up passport-wise in Russia, which I didn't know until I met Adil. That's an unreached people group, um, meaning there is 2% or less of his ethnicity who are Christians. There is not... Uh, Access, easy access for his people group to come to know Jesus. And yet, God has brought him right here to Orlando. And we've had him over to our house. He loves Josh. He has a, a little brother who's about the same age. And just, um, even just this past Friday, Adil and I were meeting and we were looking at John 15, and, or uh, Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. He was reading it in Russian. Uh, and we were getting to talk about how the father is, is wanting to welcome us back in, into his family through Christ. Um, the goal is that we would present the gospel to these students in their heart language so that they can own the fact that, okay, Christianity is not just a Western thing. It's for me too. It's for my family background. It's for my cultural background. That's, that's win. We want to present the gospel, win people to Christ. Secondly, or thirdly, I guess, is build. We want to build students up in the gospel. Um, so the right-hand picture uh, if you look kind of halfway down the right row is Jasmine Mackey. Um, so Jasmine was sent out from OGC to East Asia um, just uh, last month, I guess she left. And uh, she was just a great help for us. But one of the things that she helped with uh, was a core leader training that we do for the Christian students within Bridges, equipping them on how do I share my faith? How do I de- depend on the Holy Spirit moment by moment for power to live for God? Um, How do I um, lead a discipleship group? Like if I share my faith and that person becomes a Christian, what do I do with them? Um, So uh, Jazz and lots of other folks uh, have been a great part of helping that, training our students to walk with Jesus. Um, The guy on the left actually holding the map, his name is Michael. He's from Ethiopia. He's a uh, second year PhD student at UCF studying civil engineering. Um, And it's just been great to, to walk alongside of Michael and he is one of a couple of guys that I've really personally invested in discipleship-wise to help him to grow in Jesus, to help him reach out. He's now got a lab mate this year who's from Egypt, um, and he's been reaching out to his lab mate and telling him about Christ. So that's the build side. And finally, sent. So with college uh, students, hopefully at least in the end, people graduate. Either way, they leave. They don't just hang around most of the time. We want to send them out into the world equipped to be laborers for Jesus. Um, the photo on the right, we have a student named Leon who is from Puerto Rico, and she went on a short-term mission trip this summer to Chicago, uh, learning how to, again, a lot of those things we talk about with core leader training, how to share the gospel. How do I talk to a Muslim about Christ? How do I talk to Chinese people about Christ? What about someone who's from South Asia? How do I become more of a leader in my movement? And she has just come back like so excited. Um, but secondly, we want to send people long-term. So there are two people in that left-hand picture. So again, there's Jazz on the left side. And then on the right side of that picture is Jen Newton, who is right here. Jen, embarrass yourself. Just wave to everybody. Um, so it's been really cool. We've been doing this ministry for several years, but God has uh, blessed us just in the last couple of years with people uh, who are answering the call to go into full-time ministry. Um, Obviously, our goal is to send 100% of our people, whether they go into full-time ministry or into what's, you know, ministry in the marketplace, ministry in the home, ministry in the academic world. Uh, but it's been really cool to, for the first time, we're just really grateful to see God adding to our numbers uh, and sending people out of the full-time mission field. So that's a little bit about the welcome, win, build, send process. Um, Two more things I want to say. Uh, Mike, would you go to the next one? I want to give my wife, Erin Ashley, just a minute to, to share about our family um, and then share about ways you could get involved. So go ahead, dear. Um, um, 
So I didn't know you were putting that picture up there. Um, um, so, well, one thing I just wanted to add on to something that Andy said is just that um, OGC has been just such an incredible place to launch this ministry from. And so, Jen, if you could wave your hand again, and then Anna, if you could wave your hand, and then Cole and Caitlin over there. Um, these people are all full-time with us, and then Steph, and then there are probably many others in the room who are doing things part-time. You pray for us. You support us. Our food on our table comes from a lot of your giving. So um, we text people last minute and say, can you provide barbecue for 75 people? And the women in your community group, Wendy, provide that. So I just wanted to say that we are um, we know that God is flourishing our ministry, and it's um, in large part because of the church and the people that he's brought to OGC and has raised up to be a part of this ministry. So just wanted to thank you all for that. Um, but uh, this is a picture of me with um, Dr. Imam and um, Sarah. This is my oncologist and my nurse practitioner. And um, as you can tell from my lack of hair, um, that um, I was diagnosed with cancer back in May. And so, um, of course, there are lots of things that I could update you on about our family, but this is the place where, obviously, um, the biggest thing that's going on in our lives and also the biggest place where I see God at work. And so that's what we wanted to share with you. Um, so I was diagnosed in May and with breast cancer, stage two, um, and of course, that just threw us into our, threw our life upside down, um, a whirlwind of appointments and wrapping our head around what this means and treatment plan. Um, and the thing that cancer has done, but most primarily, I feel like, is create need um, in two ways: um, create need in my own heart um, internally, and then create a ton of practical needs for our family. So internally. Um, just facing the reality of um, of cancer and of a potential death, um, you know, that just creates such need in me for comfort, um, for hope, for um, for God to just meet me, and um, He has been doing that so richly. And I can truly say that it is well with my soul in the midst of all of this. And um, I know it's in large part because so many people are praying. And God just continues um, right when I'm feeling scared to bring a scripture of comfort or a text from a friend with a truth from God's word. Um, just so many ways, even um, just little things that I'll say and then the scripture that God brings, it's even like the same wording. It's just like so powerfully um, his presence is, is um, being made more real and experienced. Um, in my heart, and um, um, I just keep telling him, I just need you to keep showing me your heart of goodness, and I can face anything, because um, as some of you know, um, we lost our daughter four years ago, and God just showed me his heart and how good he is in such a powerful way, and a um, profound way that just was life-altering to my walk with him, and when he keeps me close and just keeps reminding me that he's good, um, I just have the ability to trust and to keep walking forward with confidence and faith and peace and all those things. So that's the first place of need in my own heart. Um, the second place of need has been um, in our family. Um, I had a surgery. I couldn't hold Josh for six weeks. Um, you know, meals, chemo has made me very sick right after, you know, right after each round I'm sick. And so, um, when we lost our daughter Evie, I said, um, suffering in the context of the body of Christ is such an incredible privilege, and I feel like I'm getting to see that again, um, because you guys and then other Christians that we know outside of the context of the church have cared so well for us. I mean, if you know me, I'm not a very good housekeeper, but right now my house is looking really good because a lot of you women are coming and cleaning every week. Andy's loving it because... He is a good housekeeper, um, but um, but he does bridges work, so the house is left to me. Um, but meals, um, so much money, gift cards, I mean, just any child care, everything that we can need has been provided and well beyond what we need. And so um, those two places of need have just been, God's just showing up, and it's through his people through his word, through his Holy Spirit's presence, um, that he's meeting my internal needs and then our external needs. Um, 
And the last thing that I wanted to share, and I just um, am so blown away at God's kindness to do this um, and allow me to be a part of this, is um, out of those places of need um, where I have a lack, um, he's created this overflow, an overflow of peace and confidence in him. Um, and out of a practical need, an overflow of resources. Um, and um, about eight months prior to my diagnosis, um, a friend who we had played baseball, our boys had played baseball together, um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she and I had kind of lost touch because um, we our kids weren't playing together anymore. And um, her name is Carly. And um, Carly's not a Christian. And I ran into someone on the opposite side of town that I would not normally see who told me that Carly had cancer. So I got in touch with her and reconnected or whatever. Well, then fast forward eight months, I got my diagnosis. Um, and so I texted her. I said, hey, we're breast cancer buddies. Um, but what that did is it's opened up this incredible relationship. Um, and we text almost daily sometimes. And um, out of the, the overflow of what God is doing in my life, I'm able to speak into her um, her journey and point her to Christ along the way and the kind of conversations and the depth at which we're talking at would have never happened um, just being baseball mom friends and so um, we've been praying, my friends have been praying for her um, and I invited her to church and she actually came this morning um, you may have seen her sitting beside me so um, I just think it's so neat how Christ suffered um, and his suffering becomes the place of our healing. And because we're united to him, then our suffering gets to become the place of healing for other people. So I see that he's doing that, and I have great expectation that she will come to sell saving faith in Christ um, through this journey. I'm continuing to pray for that, but just so clearly God's hand in orchestrating that. So she actually works in the hospital where I get chemo, so she comes and sits with me. Um, so just an incredible opportunity to... Um, yeah, for my suffering to hopefully be the place of her healing, ultimate healing in Christ. So, so um, one last thing. Thanks, Go to the next slide there, Mike. Oh, there's one more. Oh, maybe I deleted it. Okay. So real quick, if, if you do work for or do volunteer for or have volunteered for Bridges in some way, would you stand up real quick? That I mean, can like bring food or meeting students or praying for us or there are lots of you guys. I know. There we go. So um, one, thank you guys for being a part of what we're doing. Go ahead and have a seat. I don't want to embarrass you anymore. Um, but all of you guys as a church, all of you are part of it too. Um, the church is a big part of our support. Again, for us as a family, even walking through this. This ministry that we're seeing happen on campus with international students and then even among our friends, this is y'all's ministry just as much as it is ours. Um, so first thing, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, from the bottom of our hearts. Um, secondly, um, if you're hearing about this ministry and you're like, man, this is really cool. Um, I don't know if, is Kayla here tonight? She asked, okay. So um, we have, those of you guys who have volunteered before, we're not, we're not great sometimes at volunteer coordination, but Kayla Mellis has stepped up to be our volunteer coordinator for our whole ministry. Um, as a volunteer, she's coordinating all of it. So if you're interested in volunteering, whether it's meeting a student, helping with food, uh, rides, uh, providing your home for stuff, giving furniture, blah, 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 come find me. Um, you know, we're really... I think moving forward, having Kayla in this position is really going to help us to take things to the next level because there are only so many of us who are full-time with Bridges staff, but again, there are thousands of international students. And for them to hear the gospel and to see it lived out is going to require all of us being a part of having people over to our homes and just loving on them and showing them Jesus. So thank you guys again. Uh, we really appreciate y'all. We love you guys. Thank you for loving on us. Um, and I want to bring up Skyler next. He is going to be introducing stuff with our student ministry. So thank you guys again. We love y'all. Thanks, Andy and EA. Um, yeah, so I'm Skyler. I'm excited to talk a little bit about the student ministry. 
Um, and so just as Jim was talking earlier about the various forms and shifts that come with growth, um, that naturally leads to uh, different types of expansion within ministries here within the church. And so one of the ways that we're already seeing some of this expansion and one of the ways uh, we seek to foster some of this expansion is within the student ministry. And so as we see this starting to happen in the student ministry, I just wanted to come up and briefly talk a little bit about what is the vision of the student ministry. And so when we think about student ministry, usually what we're going to do is we're just going to import whatever we've seen done in the past, right? And so for some churches we've been in, that's like the, you know, the youth pastor is the chief discipler of the kids, and the youth ministry is basically mini church just for younger people. Um, or, you know, even on the other end of the spectrum, it may be like, this is just a good place for good Christian fun and to get the kids out of my hair once a week. Um, and, you know, there's, I'm not saying that, like, all of these are necessarily wrong. They have their pros and cons in each way. Um, but when we think about student ministry here at Orlando Grace, we just want to see it at, in the same vein as every other ministry we have here. Um, and that's the same vision. It's to see them grow in Christ, to bless the city so that we can send them out. Right, So that's the same vision we have for the men's ministry or the women's ministry or the children's ministry or the community groups. And so we don't want to say, what's the, student, what's the vision for the student ministry and it would be something totally different because we don't see it as something different. And that's why we speak of this not as the youth ministry, uh, but we want to speak of it as the student ministry. Because what primarily defines their place in life is that they're students in school and that's where they're in, on mission. Is they're on mission at school and so we're going to send them back there. And so the primary way that we want to see them, or the primary time that we have right now to see them grow in Christ, uh, is our equipping hour class. And so obviously all of you know that, so 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Um, and right now we just, so the first week, last week, we had all the students, and I just had the whiteboard, and I was just like, I want to hear everything you want to do, all the places you want to go, and all the things you want to learn uh, in the student ministry. And surprisingly, I got a lot of feedback. I thought that they may be like, only fun things and they didn't want to learn anything. But actually, they, over the time of working through, we decided to study the book of Mark because one of the things they wanted to learn about was a book that maybe they haven't studied before. And so that was really exciting to see the kids excited about something uh, to learn together. And so we're doing that. Once a month, we break up into guys and girls and the girls being led with my wife, Brianna, uh, while I take the guys. And so that's the primary time we have. But the primary way we want to see them grow in Christ is through relationships. Um, so that's first off relationships with one another. And so that's obviously going to be happening in the equipping hour class. Uh, but also that's the monthly events we hope to have, which for you, those of you that are following the monthly events, you know that the first one we tried to have was canceled yesterday due to all the horrible weather um, that did not end up coming. So, you know, but I'm, I'm still learning the Florida, uh, Florida climate and everything coming from Mississippi. So now I just know I'm just not doing anything outside ever. So it's uh, <laughs> just like it just doesn't work so we're just gonna do non-cancelable things except for like you know i guess whenever hurricane dorian that doesn't come either comes so uh so the primary way we want to see them I'm, I'm glad to see some jokes actually land you know i know matt Kenyon is back there taking notes on this so the uh yeah so we want to see them have relationships with one another um, and so the times these monthly events are all geared towards seeing these kids. I think I just broke the music stand. Seeing these kids um, spend time together and get to know one another, pray for one another. Because we believe that it's not just me that's going to be able to pour into lives, but they're going to be pouring into one another lives. And that's what's going to give them the encouragement to go back and to face the pressures and the things they see at school. And so the relationships with one another, but also relationships with the church. And so I do want to get to know your kids and I want to spend time with them. Um, and I, but I also want to connect them to others in the church. And so that's why, uh, like, my wife will be helping with the girls in the ministry while I'll be handling the guys. But I also would love to know if there's anyone that uh, would love to participate or volunteer with the student ministry just to come in. And, uh, and we're still working through what all the ways this could look like, but would be interested in volunteering and helping to disciple these kids or come to the youth events that we have. Um, so we want to see them connect to the church, but we also want to see them uh, – the relationship with the parents. And so as I said, I'm not the chief disciple of your kids. Rather, that's what we see the family for. And so I want to come alongside the parents. And so for me to be able to do that, I would love to be able to meet up with you. So if you have a kid uh, that's moving into the student ministry, even if they're in the children's ministry now, but you see next year they're going to be in the student ministry or they're in that now, I would love to get a meal with you. 
And so preferably pretty soon because I want to be able to ask you questions about your student, where you feel like they're at with the Lord, and just hear your family's story. Because doing that, I'm going to be able to understand so much more the ways that I can come alongside you and resource you. And so that's the way we want to see them grow in Christ. And all, of these, all three of these components are going to be combined in things like retreats and things like camps that we hope to do. And also, as we move towards the spring, hopefully, and this is like true vision casting, hopefully moving to having something on Sunday night um, once a week where the kids can come together and have a concentrated time just for them outside of the usual equipping out class. And so we also want to see them bless the city. And so all of this vision of seeing them grow in Christ uh, is for, and then it's for them to be sent back into their schools, uh, equipped to face the various pressures and the temptations that come with middle school and high school, and, uh, and to see them not only go from there, but eventually to see them sent out into the workplace and sent out into college, already equipped to handle the things they'll face there. So that's kind of the vision that we have. Like I mentioned, if you are a parent, I would love to talk to you. Find me afterwards. I'm sitting over here, so I'll probably be somewhere in that area. Uh, if you want to volunteer, please come talk to me, or if you have any questions, I'd love to hear from you. Great. And now um, I'm going to bring Mike up. Thanks, Skylar. All right, so I'm going to be talking to you guys, um, opening us up a little bit on history. Can you hit the right arrow key on that? Um, on that there. Um, we're talking about the history of affiliation here. Obviously, we've been around as a local church. This is our 27th year. We'll turn 28 in November. And um, during that entire time, we have been completely independent as a local church. That isn't necessarily a, a something that we're trying to do. It's just in God's providence. That's what he has had for us. And so um, there's a lot more information um, about this on the website. So um, if you want to, you can read all kinds of narrative that there is on there. But I just want to just paint a little bit of a historical perspective um, before Jim shares a little bit more of why affiliation is important and strategic for us. So I'm just going to hit you know just some of these bullet points here real quick. Um, so when Pastor Kurt, which was um, the third pastor teacher here at this church and Jim's predecessor, when he came in, Arlena Grace Church was ostensibly replanted as a local church. And uh, Kurt came up with a nine-point plan called Operation Nehemiah to ostensibly replant our church. So that included things like establishing elders, deacons, instituting a peacemaking culture. And one of those nine points, and the only, the only point that he was unable to complete during his tenure here, was affiliation with a denomination or a network. So that's the first bullet point. The second one, um, we have attended conferences. So we attended a conference uh, from Acts 29 back in 2010 called Resurgence. It was here in town. Um, and then for about two years, we did succession planning here as elders, basically meeting a, on a weekly basis, talking through all of the things that we needed to do to, um, to proactively go about calling our next, our next teaching pastor well. And one of the things that we talked a lot about um, during that succession planning process was um, the idea of, of, of affiliation. Because it was you know, this item that we hadn't you know, kind of checked off Operation Nehemiah, was this something that we wanted to do and complete before the end of Kurt's tenure? And Kurt felt very strongly that affiliation was very important uh, to him, to us, and these, these different kinds of things. But he felt like it was more um, of the role of the next teaching pastor here because they were going to have to deal with all of the implications of affiliating that we go ahead and push that into the very beginning of that person's tenure. Um, then the next thing there in 2017, SWOT analysis. All you military folks will know that means strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. This is just a, a grid that you use um, in an organization or in the military to just analyze um, an entire organization. So one of the things we did, um, we did a SWOT exercise um, as our elder team to analyze every aspect of our local church. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. We identified um, as a leadership team four areas that we thought uh, were growth areas for us, aka weaknesses, and those things were mission to the city, uh, church planting, leadership development, and uh, discipleship culture. And so we knew that in the affiliation process that we wanted to link arms with people that had some competency 
in areas where we had growth areas. And so that was another um, step for us in thinking through uh, affiliation. There then in uh, 2018, our one, three, and five year strategic plan. Um, I think you guys have seen that um, at previous family night meetings. It's on our website, you can see that. Um, that's, that's the blueprint of where we're going this year, where we're going next year, and all the way through 2023. Um, then the, the next item there, we met with Brian Lowe, who's the Southeast Regional Director of Acts 29, also in uh, May of 2018. That was a very helpful meeting. Asked him a lot of questions. Um, we had a lot of opportunity to interact with him. And then in early 2019, we did our annual um, elder retreat. At that annual elder retreat, um, we processed um, a number of things. Um, but particularly, we went through an exercise to think through, okay, what do we want out of affiliation? And we brainstormed all the things that we want. There were 16 things that we were kind of looking for there. And then there were also six things that we wanted to avoid. And so we took the, the, those 22 items, the 16 things that we were looking for, and the six things that we wanted to avoid. And um, Jim and I were tasked to put together a very uh, thorough due diligence uh, affiliation report. And so we analyzed all the various networks or denominations that would have a church like ours, and we analyzed that through that um, 22 uh, uh, point rubric. And basically out of that, um, there were two entities that we thought were um, quite compelling. That was the Southern Baptist Convention and the Acts 29 Network. It was clear at the, at the sum of the matter um, that the Acts 29 network um, had fewer liabilities and more upside for us um, than the SBC. That's nothing against the SBC. Um, we are open to affiliating in a secondary fashion at some point in the future, potentially, with the SBC. But it seemed like, in terms of a primary affiliation, the only entity that we really wanted to continue the conversation with um, was the Acts 29 network. Um, and then the, um, the last item here is the Acts 29 Global Gathering. So all of our elders, um, including at that point, Will was on, uh, Will Powell or here is, was on sabbatical, and he's no longer on sabbatical. Welcome back, Will. Um, we all attended the conference, so all seven, seven of our elders. Um, we met, in a, so in addition to going to all these different sessions, um, we had six different meetings with eight different people um, from three different countries, in four different levels of leadership within Acts 29, really full slate, and asked them all different kinds of questions. Um, and it was really encouraging. We kept hearing a lot of the same things from the same people who nobody knew anybody else, nobody knew that we were having these conversations over here. Um, and some of these people you, you know, would even be you know, names that you would um, recognize around the world, guys like Ray Orland. Um, so that's a, just a little bit of kind of the history of where we've been with respect to affiliation. Um, that kind of brings us up to the present. The only thing that's really on the, on the calendar right now for us is um, Jim and Jim and Angela and our elders will be assessed by the Southeast Regional Assessment Team um, later in October um, of this year. So that's the only thing that's kind of on the calendar. I'm gonna hand it over to Jim, who's gonna tell us a little bit more about the strategicness um, of uh, this opportunity to affiliate. And when Jim's done, he's gonna call up um, the rest of our elders. I'm gonna, I feel like if you've read that document, you've got a lot of information. I, I just, it's the best fit for us. It made the most sense. We were most theologically aligned. Um, and it was interesting to me that there have been seven churches planted in the Acts 29 network by OGC alumni. Like that says something about the DNA. Um, but I mean, you know, at some level we think about what do we get out of it and what do we contribute? And so we are going to, we're going to receive um, a network of people we can work with. We're going to receive the resources of the Acts 29 network, which include conferences that only Acts 29 staff can go to. Uh, every other year there's a, there's an, if you can, once you get there, an all-expense-paid trip for pastors and wives may, designed to refresh them, to uh, see how things are going. Um, there is a cohort, a local cohort that I went to for the first time. There, I think, are nine official Acts 29 churches in this area. They're a handful in process like we are. 
And the pastors got together and we talked about our marriages and how we were doing with our wives, how things were going in leading our families and loving our children. And it was, a, it was really a special thing for me. I didn't feel like th there were egos in the room. We were comparing, you know, sizes of churches or anything. And it just, it really felt, uh, it administered to my soul. And so I was very thankful to do that. There are other things like, uh, there's an app uh, that only Acts 29 pastors are allowed on. So there's one for senior pastors. There's one for XPs. There's actually one for pastors' wives. And it's like a, it's a very, very safe way for pastors to communicate. Has anybody experienced this? Any recommendations here? Pastors' wives talking to each other. So there's a lot of resources that, that they have um, available to us. Certainly, in terms of what we contribute, we would be the oldest act, the oldest church in the network in, the, in Central Florida. We haven't, we're one of only two with a building. Uh, we would have more of an established presence that we would bring to the network. Um, I, I mean, I think one of the things this church excels at is member care and polity, and I think there's some things that we could really contribute to some of these younger churches in that regard. And and we would, we would be a strong link between Acts 29 Network and RTS because of our existing relationship with the seminary. So we 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 contribute a lot. We believe we we're going to receive a lot. And then really, at the end of the day, the thing that that it really moves the ball for us in is church planting. You know, we, we've thought, like, how, how do we plant a church one day? How do, we, how do we fund it? How do we get enough people in an area? How do we do that without, you know, really hindering the momentum that we have here? And with the Acts 29 Network, as you heard this morning, we do it as a team. You have 9, 10, 11 churches getting together. There is a church plant in Leesburg and a church plant in, in Apopka that we're trying to all launch now. We'll all be contributing money and people. And so we feel like, like we're, we're in the game. We're church planting now. And there will be, hopefully, increasingly more options for people to be a part of that should God call you that direction. What would you think about a slight audible? We're running a little bit behind on time. Would it be okay if we still had the elder Q&A? Um, it, it turns out to be a lot of questions. We can, we can do that. What if you all stay in your seat? And if there's a, a specific question that you want to answer, by all means, because um, – there, there might not be actually that many questions. So we want to open this up. Um, hopefully you've already read that document. You've heard everything. You've been listening. Uh, are there additional questions that you have that you would like um, either us or any of the elders to, to speak into? Ross. Do we have a time frame? So that's a good question. Time frame. The assessment, as he said, would happen in October. And then there are always, um, I want to say conditions. Conditions. The, the, everyone has conditions. It's always a condition. Um, they, once you do this, grow in this area. Uh, and it could be, let's, uh, let's say I'm, I'm too busy and the condition is I, I read a book on loving my wife better and we get away for a night. Or, I mean, it could be something as simple as that. If there were concerns about... We feel like some of the younger, say that yours is a younger church plant, the condition could be do some research in this area of polity or ecclesiology. Uh, there will be a condition, and whatever that is, however long that takes, then uh, once we complete that, actually in October we'll be a candidate, and then when we complete the assessment and condition, uh, which can could be quick, could take a, a year, uh, we would be in. Sounds as though the vetting process is you and Angela. So this is changing. It used to be just a network of church planters. Um, then it became a network of – there was an in-between stage. Uh, it now the, the actual partnership is between churches. It's not just Angela and me. It would have been five years ago, just me who was joining the network. Now the network is actually churches who are planting churches. That's, that's how it's defined. Um, so, but when they come in, they're not looking to change any. They were actually very clear. We're not looking to come in and change anything about your church. We're coming in to make sure there's alignment. We want to look at all these areas, and we just want to make sure that that we're really aligned. And we've been in conversation enough to feel pretty good that we are. But that's they just they really want to do due diligence and make sure that there's alignment. And uh, so the time frame it could be as short as January. It could be a year from October, from what I hear. So when the assessment takes place, they'll assess Jim, Jim and Angela, and then all of our elders as well. 
So those will be three separate assessments inside of one assessment um, in October. Yes. Um, I know part of OGC's desire to affiliate is to have kind of some outside accountability. Um, is there any idea of how that would look if there was some big problems that came up? What would X29 role if it would have a role in mediating things for that? Yeah, so the, the question is about accountability. We would have access to all their resources. They do not have authority over us. If we went really off the rails, they could kick us out of the network. Um, but we, we have, and, and in fact, there have been some things this year that we have, uh, that we've, that we've talked with them about. And they've helped to advise us on, um, because they have a lot of churches planting churches, and they, so they would they would be here for whatever we needed, whatever we wanted. Um, but they, you know, they would not come in and exercise oversight and an authoritarian. We've had situations that we needed counsel on and had access to our coach you know, the same day. So if that yeah, helps that really in some way, shape, or form. It's just less formal than like, you know, the, you know, the bishop or the pope coming in and <laughs> <laughs> fixing things or whatever. It's a good question. No, there'd be no ex no expectation. Should they want to, that path would be easier. Sure. But no, they would have the freedom to do whatever it is that God's calling them to do. Good question. All right. Well, yes. Wendy. Um, I've heard that there is a dress code for pastors. I'm going to let Chuck take that one. Chuck, <laughs> Chuck, what was your what was your impression of the dress code? Uh, I don't know if they will make it because neither one of those have guys have tats. <laughs> I, know, I know, Wendy, your question is tongue-in-cheek. Um, but um, in, in all seriousness, though, um, you know, back in 2010 when we, when we were, you know, kind of looking at, um, you know, taking a look under the hood, you know, at Acts 29, we didn't, we didn't feel led to, you know, to affiliate at that point because... Part of it was um, there was a kind of homogeneity, you know, culture-wise, that I think was unhealthy and immature. Um, and if you hadn't had the opportunity to read, um, it, it's uh, linked to, I think, at the very top of our FAQ page um, about X-29. There's an article by Sarah Zielstra, um, uh, who writes for the Gospel Coalition, basically on... Um, I think the title of it is something to the effect of um, how Acts 29 survived and thrived after the collapse of Mars Hill. It's a very helpful article to kind of understand um, the Acts 29 1.0, which would be very much kind of what you're describing, you know, culturally speaking, and then Acts 29 2.0. They're very different. Um, and that would be something, if you had history, you know, with 1.0, it would be helpful to understand some of those um, different uh, nuances. I know it's tongue in cheek, but uh, yeah, and, yeah, it does come from somewhere. Uh, I know there's a two percent uh, contribution requirement. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Two percent. Yeah, five. great question. So, um, so we'll be giving. Um, you know, should we be admitted into the network? We'll be giving two percent of our general fund to Acts Twenty Nine. One percent of that two percent goes to funding the. Um, the institutional overhead of Acts 29. So there's five different regions in the United States, and then there's seven zones across the world. So there are not many people who work, you know, in these things. Um, and there's about 800 churches. Most of those churches are much smaller than ours. There's a handful of churches that are much bigger, but um, you know, on the whole, we would be above average in, in above average size because many of these, you know, churches are, are church plants, right? Um, then the other 1% goes to one of three initiatives. So there's the Church in Hard Places initiative, there is the Rural Collective, and then there is the, um, uh, the Muslim initiative. And so each one of these three different um, areas are areas that 
where church planting will never be self-sustaining financially. And, but, but, and there's also a reason why the gospel has um, had real difficulty taking root and penetrating a lot of those different places. Because if they're never going to be financially self-sustaining, because you're probably never going to reach the tipping points that you need in those various different places, well, it, it becomes a kind of catch-22. So that's where that other 1% goes. It goes to places that, you know, I mean, when I look at, like, our missions portfolio right now, it's like, well, we're making investments in a lot of places that are like that, where, you know, you know it'd be very difficult to see those things being, you know, kind of self-sustaining. So that's where, you know, that's where that, those resources go. So 2% of the general fund, what's yeah. the timing? Is it monthly? Is it the end of the year? Whatever. Whatever. Fund is? They, they did not. They don't. I would be. I would guess that it, it would be probably one once per annum. Um, once you know, you know, at your year end, you know what that is. And I'm guessing they probably wouldn't start that for us until um, we were fully admitted. So I would think probably the earliest, you know, fiscal year that that would take place would be probably 2020. It's a good question. All right. Let me let me do this. I, we we are going to have to move on. We want to be very available. Should you have more questions, please come to any of the elders. Come to us. We we really do want to answer any of your questions. Um, all right. Um, so um, I'm going to be I'm going to kind of fly through this section. Um, Jim, can you get on the computer for me? Um, so I want to walk through our basically our missional survey. Um, basically, this next um, this next Sunday, um, the the twenty second, um, we're going to be doing the missional survey that I talked about in the e news. Um, and so I just want to walk through um, a, a handful of things that are really important for that. We're doing that because, like everything that we've talked about here this morning, we want to be a local church that's faithful and fruitful. And so in order to do that, we need to get a better sense of who all is here, what your spiritual needs are, and what does our actual missional footprint right now as a local church look like. And so until we really have some hard data on those things, it'd be really helpful for us to get a better sense of that so that we can pastor and lead better. Um, so you know, um, this information, everything is going to be totally anonymous. Um, we couldn't track you if we, if we wanted to. Um, the data is going to be used um, just for us internally to help us minister better to you, to help us minister better to the city, and to help us um, b uh, better minister uh, globally as well. We will publish a short report before the end of the year that has a handful of items of things that we're very encouraged about, as well as a handful of items um, that we would want to prayerfully consider um, as growth areas. So we will conduct this next Sunday. We'll do it during the response time after Jim's sermon. Um, it will take roughly six or seven minutes of our actual corporate worship time um, to that. Um, all the questions are multiple choice. They're checkbox. There's no, like, you're not going to have to put in paragraphs of information or whatever um, on it. There's going to be about 20 questions that are demographic-related, 20 questions about things um, in your spiritual life, and then about 20 questions um, regarding um, our missional footprint. And so our simple hope is we just want to be um, not just a faithful local church, but we want to be a fruitful one. And so we got this from another church, and they've been very helpful um, in just kind of helping us walk through how they've used this, what did they do um, with the follow-up, uh, just kind of interacting with that. So our hope is that we'll be um, hopefully an increasingly fruitful church. So if you have any questions about that, I'll be available um, around after. But um, hopefully you guys will all um, feel the freedom to um, share that information with us. Again, it's totally and completely anonymous. Um, and uh, with that being said, I'm going to hand it over to Jim, who's going to talk to us about our land update. So we have this land, um, and I want to, as Mike said, update you about this land. Uh, the, the land, if you weren't here, all, all that land between basically the building and the street over here was not ours. It became available. We purchased it. In the short term, the abortion clinic's not using it anymore, and we can use it for parking. Um, in the long term, functionally, it opens up all this land should we want to expand on it. We could not use a lot of that land without, without that purchase. The goal with this land is to own it outright, 
by, tw- by the end of 2022. So the plan to own it outright by the end of 2022 uh, requires that we would sell the building that we own down the road, the counseling center. Uh, if we sell that at the end of 2022, that will create a delta uh, for us, some, depending on the time and the price of the sale, somewhere around ninety dollars to $140,000. So that means between thirty dollars and $40,000 a year between now and that time that we need to make up uh, outside of our normal budget. Uh, we think this is a doable goal. Um, just a way to think about it is if every, if every family here, every, every giving unit here uh, added a, a 13th month, whatever it is you do in the course of the year, if everybody added a 13th month, that would be a way to easily make up that money. Some of you can't do that and that's okay. Some of you could do more. <laughs> But we, we prayerfully want to uh, ask the church and trust God that, that that delta would be made up every year between thirty dollars and $40,000 so that by the end of 2022 and the sale of that building, we will not owe any money on that land that we purchased, um, I guess, earlier in the year. Uh, we think this is a reasonable goal. We are, we're going to commit as elders to keeping this issue in front of you uh, by talking about it at family nights, uh, maybe the occasional sermon. E-news, it will be in every strategic plan until we pay that land off, uh, and you'll see it in our annual reports. If you have any questions on the land, I would direct you to Mike or Matt West or Chuck. And now I am handing it over to Matt West. Matt Kenyon. Well, I just said Matt West. So <laughs> Matt Kenyon. For one quick urgent need. Hey guys, I'm going to be really fast here. Uh, The first thing I want to do is I just want to say a really sincere thank you to all of the worship volunteers that make Sunday happen um, without a hitch. Let's let's give them a round of applause. Um, I knew that that Sunday was, Sunday mornings were a big undertaking, uh, but I didn't realize just how much effort and labor, not only on the band side, but also in the booth and in the slides and in all the tech, how much effort goes into to doing that. And uh, it's just incredible. It's a, it's a great ministry. So I just want to thank everyone involved. Uh, and the next thing is I just want to open up the call uh, for anyone here who, who would like to be a part of the worship team or anyone here who would like to be a part of the tech team or the AV team. Um, it's, not a, it's not a closed club. You know, you can, you can uh, apply, for lack of a better word. Um, but we're constantly looking to grow our base of volunteers. So if you do feel like you are gifted musically or you want to uh, contribute on the AV side or the tech side, you can come see me or just email me at uh, matt at orlandograce.org. And that's in the, in the bulletin. And especially we are looking to, uh, to add a drummer. So if any of you guys are drummers, uh, Barb, drummer? No? Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it. And the next up is Mike. So I'm going to do this one from my seat here because I got a bunch of slides. Um, so um, I want to cover um, probably in the middle of your table. I think it's already been passed out for most of you is a sheet that looks like this. I know there's only like two or three of them um, per table. But basically what this is, is and Jim alluded to it um, this morning during his sermon, is out of our strategic plan, this is our 2019 uh, values, goals, and tactics. So what you have on the left-hand side of these sheets are all the goals for this year. And then what you have on the right-hand side is color-coded red, yellow, or green, the tactics associated with each of those goals to help accomplish them here this year. And so there's 69 total goals um, in terms of 69 tactics for this year. And so where we're at year to date, we're at 84% completion of those 69 goals. Um, And then uh, yellow means um, that the particular tactic is in process, but not yet fully completed. And then the red is um, either it's not going to be completed or it hasn't been started. And so... Um, that's kind of where we're at. Um, a regular rhythm for us at this family night meeting is the publishing of this report, and it is our way of being accountable to you that we are doing our jobs and we're taking the things that we set out to do um, seriously. So um, if you have any questions about that, um, I'm here to answer them. Um, it's a really thorough thing. I'm not going to 
you know, kind of drill down on that anymore. Um, I'm also now just gonna walk us through also the regular rhythm of just um, a few other quantitative metrics um, and that will um, finish out our meeting here tonight. So here are the numbers updates. Um, our total average attendance um, since our last family night meeting, um, we had the usual June summer dip and um, attendance, but um, the overall trend there um, is up. Um, similar trend as well with our um, children's attendance average there. Um, our year-to-date um, attendance growth versus um, January to the end of August of last year versus January to the end of August this year is, um, is up 49%. Um, our giving growth over that same time period is up 23%. And our total membership um, increase over that time is up a little over 21%. Um, our monthly giving averages, um, you can see there, um, a little under 10,000 in May, over 11 in, in June. Um, it's odd. <laughs> it's funny. It's just like attendance is down, and I don't know. It's weird that they're negatively correlated like that. Um, sorry, I geek out about that stuff. Um, so our um, the total amount of resources that have come into our organization, including our you know office building on the street and um, events and those different kinds of things, has been a little bit over um, 375,000 um, year through the end of August. And then our total operating expenses um, uh, through that time frame has been um, just under 370. Um, and so that has um, uh, the yielded an operational surplus of uh, a little over $10,000. Um, so that's good. And that's it for um, kind of our uh, uh, numbers updates. Um, obviously, any of us will be available um, who have shared here tonight. Um, and uh, so come and grab us if you have any questions or comments. We'll be happy to do that. And uh, Chuck, would you come and close us in prayer? Lord, just thank you so much for this special evening. It's kind of neat to see this uh, this room filled, bringing the extra tables in and still having uh, enough food on the table. You have provided and we're so grateful. And Lord, as we look at um, Mike's geeky numbers, we see, Lord, that you have provided as well throughout the year. And you're doing mighty works here. And Lord, we just pray that uh, in our efforts that we're honoring you. In our efforts, we are pleasing you. Lord, um, you're doing, your work is continuing and we want to join you. We're not asking you to join us. We want to join you. So thanks for the special time, for the fellowship, for the new friendships, for the people who serve. Um, we thank you for our staff who who have done incredible things in the last several months. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.